Well, Pastor Jim, I am not him. Um, I say that all the time, but uh, I am Pastor Spence and spiritual life pastor. I don't know what that means, but here I am. Um, but he is, uh, he's asked me to speak. He's not doing well, feeling well, sinus issues, and so keep him in prayer. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if he's homesick or because he's sad because of the Cubs. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Probably both, yeah. Uh, well, we're concluding the series, uh, Extremely Emotional. And so far, we've looked at uh, anxiety and anger. And last week, um, he talked about shame. And so today, we're going to look at the emotion of sadness. So we have all these e- uh, emotional sadness emojis that help us communicate um, how we feel. Um, you know, they range from uh, a little blue to just crying buckets of tears. Um, sadness can range from a one, you know, very mild sadness, kind of not just blue, to, to a ten, you know, real depression. And the question I have this morning is this. By raising your hand, how many have ever felt sadness before? Just leave it up for a second. You've felt sadness before. And I want you to look around. All right. We've all been touched by sadness. I, I want to say today that uh, I can't possibly cover um, every aspect of the emotion of sadness in a 30-minute message. Um, but we can look to God's Word to guide us as we, you know, as well as open the door to the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We just saw that everyone has experienced the emotion of sadness. It's a real emotion. And no doubt there are some who have experienced far more sadness in their lives than others. There are some who are dealing with real deep sadness in this room. And sadly, there are some um, who are in denial of being sad. You see, I can be sad. Uh, the Cubs uh, are losing in the World Series, right? Maybe that's a one for you. Maybe it's a five for me. I don't know. Um, but I can be in depression about something in my life, and that would be a category 10, something very serious. A very short list of causes of sadness to depression can be, you know, biological factors or um, some sort of rejection, uh, abuse, stress, a death, uh, some injustice, anger, guilt, uh, and a host of other factors. We couldn't possibly name them all today. I have a short list of, of the effects of sadness, you know, moving to depression that can range from poor quality sleep, to headaches, to discouragement, moodiness, aggressive actions, and angry outbursts, and impulsive behaviors, and withdrawal from family and friends, and even suicidal thoughts. There are some of the effects, not all, but some of them. And then there's some words that are associated with the word sadness. You have anguish, and blue, and defeated, and dejected, depressed, and downcast, gloomy, grief, heaviness, remorse, and sorrow. These all kind of tie in with the same theme of, of sadness, and these are very real. What do you do when you feel sad? What's the correct response? What's the correct reaction to feeling down or feeling depressed? Where or who do you turn to when you feel these emotions? 
The truth is, as humans, we experience sadness from time to time. So, you know, we go through struggle and we go through pain and sadness and, and depression at times. We, we have to recognize that. So wherever you are or have been on this continuum from a 1 to a 10 and the sadness there or, or what's caused sadness in your life, you should know something. You should know something. Jesus cares. You're not alone. If there is no one that cares about you, Jesus does. If no one understands what you're feeling, Jesus understands. In fact, if there's no one even praying for you, Jesus is. I also want to say, um, before we move farther, um, at the info desk, there's a list of some YouTube videos, uh, some books, and a list of counselors as a resource uh, that Pastor Jim has been using the last several weeks that uh, you can check out and help you in your growth dealing with these emojis in your life. I want to take a look at at a man's response to sadness, to depression maybe, and see if we can learn something from his life. Um, His name is Elijah, and he was an incredible man and a prophet of God. Uh, And the backdrop of our topic today begins in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, We won't go there, but I'll just give you a synopsis of the story. Elijah has challenged the, the prophets of Baal to see whose God was more powerful. What was the challenge? Build an altar, uh, see whose God could light it up. Okay, that was the challenge. So 450 prophets of Baal, they begin to prepare the altar and, and the, bull, the, the bull to be sacrificed. And from morning until noon, the story goes, they shouted and they danced and they, they, they hobbled around the altar, crying out to their God to light up the sacrifice. Well, Elijah begins to mock them, uh, and maybe that their God is daydreaming, or maybe he's going to the bathroom, it says that, right? And maybe he's traveling, or he's asleep, and he begins to, to mock them because they're crying out so much, and they can't get a response from their God. So they, that challenges me more. They begin to cut themselves, and they begin to bleed all over their altar, and, and begin to shout and wail, and, and nothing happens until evening. Their God doesn't respond. We know why, because there is only one true God. So Elijah calls the people together, and he builds the altar of stones. You know the story. He, built, he, he digs a, dit, a, a trench around it, and uh, the wood, and, he, and the bull, and he puts in three you know, gallons of water, and he just soaks it. Um, he lays the bull on the altar, and then he has him pour more buckets of water on top of this, uh, this altar. So it's wet. Wet wood doesn't burn. Um, everything's wet. Elijah prays, and God sends fire down and consumes the sacrifice, but it also consumes the, the wood, consumes the stones and the water around it. Boom. They know who the true God is. Elijah's God is more powerful, the one true God. So Elijah had all the prophets of Baal killed. And of course, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, who didn't like Elijah, um, they became enraged. Jezebel sends a message to Elijah, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. So what did Elijah do? Well, we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 3. It says this, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. 
Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Verse 5, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. According to Rick Warren, author, pastor, um, (laughs) probably others, Elijah was at the category 10, right, depressed. Not only was he physically tired and emotionally exhausted, someone had just threatened his life. He was struggling with all kinds of problems internally and emotions, fear and guilt and worry and anger and sadness, just to name a few. Can, can anyone relate to Elijah? Is there anyone here that can relate to some of those feelings and emotions? We all go from sadness to sadness, from sadness to depression at times, and that continuum. So what can we learn from his life, from his example? Quickly, focus on the facts, not on my feelings. See, Elijah was afraid, ran for his life, came to a broom tree. I don't know what a broom tree is, but it's a tree. And he, and he wanted to die. In his own words, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. You see, we do that. We focus on how we feel rather than what's reality. He wanted to give up. He felt like a failure, and he, wanted, he was afraid, and, and so he ran. You see, our feelings, again, our feelings are valid. They're true. But we shouldn't be controlled or ruled by them. We need to listen to them. I don't always feel close to God, but that doesn't mean that I'm far from Him. I don't always feel like a Christian, but I am one. And, and, and we often play this mental game of believing feelings over facts. Another takeaway from this story is, is stop comparing myself to others. Elijah says in, in verse 4, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Becoming sad or becoming depressed starts when we compare ourselves to others. We can lose sight of the truth that we are uniquely made in God's image. God isn't interested in us becoming more like so-and-so and that person and that person. When, when we compare ourselves, we compare usually our weaknesses to someone else's strengths. Little do we know that maybe their weaknesses is our strengths. But we play this game, don't we? We compare ourselves. Motivating yourself through self-criticism Never works, right? It never works. Instead of saying, I made a mistake, we say, I'm a total failure. Instead of saying, I ate too much, we say, I'm a pig, all right? We label ourselves with titles that only make it worse. This is what Elijah did. He compared himself to his ancestors. Another takeaway from Elijah's life is end the blaming, you know, end blaming myself for things that aren't my fault. In blaming myself for things that aren't my fault. In verse 10, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant. Maybe I should, say, maybe I should sound like this. Maybe you should sound, when, when, when I'm reading this, I should sound like I'm whining, right? But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. And they've killed every one of your prophets. See, he's taking on the blame that isn't his to take on. He's blaming himself 
for failing to change God's people. That's not his responsibility. He took it personally, felt overwhelmed, and he, and he got depressed. The truth is, when we assume responsibility that God never intended for us to have, we, we can sink pretty low. Not only do we have our own guilt or what we're going through, but we take on other people's, and that's just too heavy. God's not asking us to do that. The burden is way too heavy. We can influence people, but we can't control them. The final decision, the final choices are theirs. So stop blaming yourself for things that are out of your control. Last takeaway from his life in this story is um, get rid of negative exaggeration. Get rid of negative exaggeration. Again, verse 10, he says this, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah is having a me party, a pity party, isn't he? The fact is, everybody wasn't against him, just Jezebel. Jezebel wouldn't have sent a messenger uh, to warn him if she really wanted him dead. If you think about it, right? It was an intimidation tactic to make the great prophet of God, the great man of God, appear to be a coward to the whole nation of Israel. I'm coming for you. Well, he ran in fear. See, when we're sad or depressed, we often like to exaggerate the negative all around us. We do that, don't we? The world's ending, everything's bad, life's unfair, life stinks. It's like the story of uh, the grumpy guy who fell asleep and someone put Limburger cheese under his mustache. And so he wakes up. He's like, man, this place stinks. <laughs> so he left and he went, you know, everywhere he went, he kept telling himself and smelling it. Finally, he sat down, man, this whole place, this whole world stinks. When it was him. We do that when we're down. We do that when we're sad. It's not the world. It's the way we look at it. It's our attitude. Because the truth is, the truth is, the truth is, Elijah was not alone. Verse 18, God says, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. There were others. Elijah was exaggerating. That never helps. So get rid of the negative exaggeration. It's not as bad as, as we make it seem. So those are just a few um, things that we can look concerning his response. And although we can learn what not to do, and follow me Elijah's example, um, he did do some things right along the way. I want to give some of the, something to, to grab hold of today as we leave uh, in dealing with sadness and dealing with depression so when you're dealing with those things, um, take care of myself. Read that to yourself. Take care of myself. Verses 5 through 8 says this, Then Elijah laid down, and he slept under the broom tree. That as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was, a, was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Verse 8, So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. That's some super food right there. <laughs> you see, this is interesting. I love this about God. God's fix 
For Elijah's depression was rest, food, relaxation. Sometimes a good night's rest does wonders for our attitudes. Am I right? When you're physically tired, you're mentally drained, you're exhausted, you're you're prone to sadness, you're prone to depression. God dealt so tenderly to Elijah. Don't you love that picture? This guy is just about to give up and God restored him physically. The physical thing is the first thing that God takes care of. When you're dealing with sadness or dealing with depression, this is what you do. Second thing, pour out my heart to God. 1 Kings 19, verses 9 and 10, There Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. That's the whiny part. Don't, they torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah had just poured out all of his inner feelings. He just dumped them out. And God, again, tenderly allowed Elijah to express those pent-up emotions Without criticizing Elijah, without condemning Elijah, he allowed him just to just vent it all out. It goes to say that it's great to have a Christian friend or a counselor that you can do that with and talk with. See, Elijah was afraid. He had fear, resentment, maybe low self-esteem, some guilt, some anger, some loneliness, some worry. All those emotions right inside there. And with all those bottling up inside, he was about to explode So do what Elijah did, pour out your heart to God. Oftentimes I'm here in the mornings at church and I walk these aisles and pray and just spend time with God alone. Pray for you, pray for the staff, my family, myself, God's will, pouring out my heart to God. I hope that you have that place. Pastor Jim has the chair that he goes in his room. Don't try to hold all those emotions in. Tell everything to the Lord. I mean, he already knows already. Pour out your heart to God. Listen for God's voice, verses 11 through 13. So get out, go out, God said, and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. This is such a, a great story. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. That must have been one awesome fireworks show that God put on for Elijah. First it was the wind, then it was the earthquake, then it was fire. And God was showing his tremendous power as a reminder to Elijah. But God wasn't speaking to him in any of those, as, as spectacular as those would have been. What really got Elijah's attention was the gentle whisper, that still small voice. What does that say to us? 
God usually speaks to us in the stillness and in the quiet. At times, we need to just turn off the distractions for us to hear God. And if you're going, again, 1 to 10 in the scale of sadness, I don't know where you're at. It's the, it's the absence of joy in your life, and it's a real emotion. Are you listening to Him? Are you listening to God? God reminded Elijah that he was still right there beside him. I haven't gone anywhere. So if you're dealing with the sadness, the depression, can I challenge you, encourage you, get your Bible, get alone with God somewhere, and let God just love on you. Let him speak to you. Let him meet your needs. Allow yourself to feel his presence. If you think about it, we can't survive without his presence. What does that mean? You just know He's there, that He loves you, that He he gives you peace, and there's power. Get alone with Him. Spend time with Him. Listen. And I'm I'm saying that I do that too. I I, I struggle because sometimes the distractions, the day I got things to do, and you, you know what I'm talking about, pushing those out. So when you're dealing with sadness or depression, last one, let God give me a new purpose. Verse 15, then the Lord told Elijah, hey, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you are there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Well, what's significant about that verse? God told Elijah to anoint this king for that place and this other king for this other place. And in other words, God gave him a new assignment. God put him back to work. A way to defeat sadness or depression is to quit sitting around in self-pity. When you're looking to find the answer in yourself, you're not going to find it, and you'll just get more discouraged. God gave Elijah a new purpose for his life, and he'll do the same for you and for me. When we're full of sadness or or depression, we often think, well, how can God ever use me? I'm, I'm such a big failure. How can God ever use my life. You see, God wants to use you and me to help others. Do you believe that? God wants to use what we've been through to encourage one another. And I just love how practical God is in our lives. Allow God to give you a new purpose. He's not through with you and and with me. So let go and let God do something in you. As I close this morning, we just looked at a man's response to being sad or, or depressed. Elijah, yep, he got some things wrong, but he, he did some other things right. And I would encourage you this week to read 1 Kings 18 and 19 and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you in your situation where you're at in your life concerning this. There was a woman in Bill Hybel's church who, had been, who has a, a brain-damaged daughter. And sometimes the sadness she feels over her daughter's condition overwhelms her, as it did recently. She wrote Bill this letter. And maybe you can identify, maybe not exactly the, the circumstances this lady's in, but you felt this sadness. I can hardly bear it sometimes. My most recent wave of grief came just last year before her 16th birthday. 
As the day approached, I found my, myself brooding over all the things she would never be able to do. What did I do? What, I, what I've learned to do again and again. I did what I believe is the only thing to do to conquer grief, and that is to embrace it. I cried and cried and cried and faced the truth of my grief head on. And then Bill goes on to say, people who face their feelings and express them freely begin the journey toward hope. I don't know what sadness you're facing right now or have faced in the past. Maybe that's still lingering in your life, but God does, and He cares about you. To some, you wonder if God loves you, then why did this happen in my life, or why did this take place? Those are some tough questions, some good questions. But those are questions that God is not afraid to hear from you and me. Take those hurts, take those pains, those, those, those feelings of sadness that you feel to Him. Instead of turning to another person, instead of turning to uh, uh, something to make you feel better, uh, a hobby or something, turn to Him first. Because of Christ, you have hope, victory, perfect love found in Him. But that doesn't mean that we avoid or deny our sad feelings. Those emotions are real. A lot of Christians deny any kind of sadness in their life because they feel that it's weak or that it's unspiritual. Well, wait a second. Time out. Wait a second. Jesus was called a man of sorrows. That's one of his titles. It's found in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. Listen to these next four words. Acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus is fully aware of sadness, of understanding that, what you're feeling. If you're struggling today with sadness, Again, on that, that continuum, it's, maybe it's hard to make decisions. You feel trapped in a hopeless situation. You have no energy. You don't know what to do next. You feel like running away and, and a host of other emotions that you're feeling at this moment. I don't know. Come to Jesus, the man of sorrows. He understands. He cares more than anybody else. He's not weak. No, he's not unspiritual. He cares about your sadness and mine. You're not alone. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't made the decision to truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and begin a relationship with Him, I, I encourage you to do that today. He will, he will help you in your sadness. He will give you the, the power to change. He will give you a new purpose for your life. I know enough to say you just can't follow three easy steps and all your sadness will go away in your life. I know that's, that's not true. But I also believe in the power of God to heal and to help when we posture ourselves to Him and we do those things that Elijah did. God uses people. God uses His Word. God uses counselors. We need all these resources to help us but sometimes we don't understand what we're feeling, what's going on inside. 
So as we wrap up today, as we close this series, um, I was trying to think of a way to, to help us remember um, the message today. So being sad isn't bad, so don't wear plaid. No, that doesn't work, okay? Can you laugh when you talk about a, serious, a message on sadness? That's just kind of... It's, it, being sad isn't bad unless you're rad. Anybody from the 80s? Okay. Being sad isn't bad unless you're a dad. That doesn't work, okay? Being sad isn't bad unless you're King Ahab. That, that might work a little bit. Being sad isn't bad. Aren't you glad? Give him to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray to you today. Um, We talk right to you. You care about your people. You care about what we go through. You care about the emotions we've faced and the anger and anxiety and shame and, and, and now sadness. Just four of many, we are made in the likeness of you. And we can look at the life of Elijah and just can see some of the things he did wrong and some of the things he did right, and we can learn from that. I pray, God, that you will challenge our hearts, that you would speak to us. I, I don't know everybody's heart. I know mine. But I know there's probably someone here that are hurting and feeling sad, feeling depressed. And we're not going to gloss over that and just say, well, just put on a smile and be on your way. No, you care about those things that we feel. And I pray that we would bring them to you. We would pour out our heart to you. You would give us a new purpose. Thank you for your word that gives us life, gives us truth, the rock that we can stand upon. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.